Good morning. I want to, uh, the tech and stage design people, I really like this with you guys up closer to us instead of way back, so it feels a little bit more intimate, although that means you guys push back further, right? Um, hey, uh, for those of you online, my name is Trent Walker. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to bring to you the word, and Pastor Chris gets to bring you, to you the sacrament uh, a little while later in the service. Uh, I'm going to tell you before we get started that this, this was a, a, a tough week. I really give a lot of um, thought, and I always want to do the scripture that is for this week. I always want to do it justice, and this week's message, if we did, the best way to do this is all of Matthew 10, but if I did all of Matthew 10, we don't have time for communion, and I'm a minister of word and sacrament, so I, I want to push on the word part, but the sacrament part, so I'm not going to throw this away, but I just want to give you a little bit of background on, or a little bit of the beginning of Matthew 10, so that, so that you'll go home and read it, please, because it is a very important passage in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a very important passage, period. But it start, starts off where Matthew, for the first time, the only four disciples he had named before are Andrew, Peter, James, and John. And now, now at the beginning of this chapter, he names the twelve. Um, and I want you to see some of the weird stuff in that in, in naming the twelve. And I mean weird in in, in reality. There is a, a tax collector, Levi, who became Matthew, uh, renamed Matthew, and, and there's a, a zealot. So that's kind of like having a career bureaucrat for the federal government and an anti-government plotting to kill politicians, militia person, in the same group. And they did the work of Christ. They trained with Jesus to become the heads of the church, to see what God, Jesus was able to accomplish. And he had everywhere in between to see what Jesus was able to accomplish, with not, not just with these 12 men, but in these 12 men. That a zealot and a tax collector, a, a Jewish sellout, could be brothers and go together into... Galilee to proclaim the good news, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. That's the beginning of the, of the, uh, of the gospel of Matthew chapter 10. And Jesus, he's talking about it, and, and he goes, he starts off in the present tense. He's talking to his disciples. He's sending them out to the towns. This is where he says, look, if they don't receive you, uh, shake the dust off your feet. Um, if they do receive you, don't take anything with you. Stay with the Stay with, find a righteous person who will, who will be hospitable to you um, and, and bless them. And if you bless them, they will be blessed. But then Jesus changes to the future tense. He starts talking about what's going to happen after he's gone. This is the first mention of the cross in the gospel according to Matthew. So that's a little bit of background. We're going to read this and we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to move through it pretty quickly. And I just want to let you know that there will be a, an encouragement and a challenge uh, right at the end of this message. So let's pray together. Almighty God, these are your words. And you tell us in your scripture that the grass fades, flowers wither, but the word of God endures forever. Lord, as this word goes out, do not let it return void. Accomplish that which you wanted to accomplish. And Lord, if there's something I plan to say that you don't want said, I don't want to say it. Convict me of it, but don't let me utter it to your people. But Lord, if there's something you want to say that I haven't 
thought of in prayer and study, I ask that you make it burn within me so I know it's from you and I will speak it to your people. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you would have us see, hear, and receive. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. So Matthew 10, starting in verse 24, I'm going to read it all the way through, and then we'll, have, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? Do not be afraid of them, meaning the people out in the world who are going to hear, hear the message of the gospel. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. I tell, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What, I, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be members, be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives the prophet or a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to, the, to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Not very encouraging what we're going to face, what the disciples were going to face after Jesus died and was resurrected. And his disciples do not yet know that he's going to the cross. And he says that you have to pick up your cross and follow me. So culturally speaking, they knew what a cross was. They'd seen crucifixions from the Romans. They'd seen, they'd, they'd seen people hung up in the alleyways of, of, of even where they live. It doesn't have to be in, in Rome. Um, they, they've seen people hanging on crosses. They've also seen people uh, covered with pitch and lit on fire called Roman candles. So the oppressors are the ones who kill people to keep peace. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, 
if you're not willing to pick up your cross, if you're not willing to be subjugated, if you're not willing to, be, to, to lose everything that you are for me, then you're not with me. I mean, think about some of the things he said here. It, he, he says, I don't come to bring peace, but the, the, the scripture, the, the Matthew and Luke, when they, the, the begin, or Luke with the beginning of the, of the Christmas story, the angel comes and says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom God's favor rests. So what's Jesus saying? So is the angel contradicting the second person of the Trinity here? No. If all received Christ, if all were willing to lose their lives, if all said, yes, Lord, your will over mine and my allegiance is to you over anybody else, father, son, mother, daughter, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, it doesn't matter. If, 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 if all would be subjugate, would intentionally subjugate themselves to Jesus, there would be peace. But this is the already, the kingdom of heaven is near, and the not yet, all things are made new. Jesus knows the story. He knows the journey. He knows where he's headed, and he knows what's coming to his disciples. He knows what's coming to his church. And even though this sounds discouraging, it's still good news. Because he's telling us in advance that whatever might happen to us, he's aware. And notice that he says, don't be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Oh, that's got to be an encouragement for some of us. If you're, if you're a person who looks at the body politic worldwide and you, are, you suspect that there's deep-seated corruption worldwide, if you're afraid of the things that people are telling us are coming, if you're afraid of the gas prices going to where they say that they're going to go, you might be hoping, oh, hidden things will be revealed. There will be a day when the Lord shows everything. He flips over that rock and all those bugs start to scurry. There may be a time, there's going to be a time when, when, when all sin is made known and they'll get theirs. That's some good news for now. But your thoughts... My thoughts, your actions, my actions, my sin, your sin will all be disclosed. There is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. There is nothing covered that will not be uncovered. There's nothing. And that doesn't sound like good news, but it is. Think about it this way. Jesus is telling his disciples before they go out that there's going to be trouble in the world. Some will receive, some will not. Some will reject, some will not. Some will put you in prison and kill you because of me. He's telling us in advance what may happen. He's telling us, he's reminding us that he knows. But the good news of all things will be revealed, yes, out there, but also in here. That we need not fear our sin if we fear God. And I don't mean fear God like tremble. He does talk about being afraid of the one who can, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. But just for a minute, imagine what it would be like if you knew your sin, you knew your pride, your lust, 
your addictions, your anger, how you've betrayed people, how you haven't kept your word, whether you've been an abuser or whether you hate one who's abused you. Imagine what it would be like if you had all of that dirt, all of that mire, all of that sticky, the, the, the Buddhists would call it karma, the sticky karma that just, that just hangs on and destroys your life. Imagine if you had a God that you had to hide that from. It would be misery, always trying to appease a God to do something better, to make yourself better, to make yourself pure, to make yourself holy, to clean yourself up so that the one who's going to judge you will find you acceptable. Jesus tells you, tells me, that all things hidden will be revealed. All things, yes, out there. That's what he's, he's telling the disciples. When you go, it's going to get ugly. But trust me, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, we've got this. None of that stuff's going to be a surprise to God because he sees it in advance. But he's also saying to you and me, all things will be revealed. And if all things are going to be revealed, that means all your things. Imagine knowing that about yourself and trying to hide it from God. God says, I already know it. God says, I've already seen it. There's a guy named Brennan Manning in a book called Lion and Lamb. He says that God knows you so well and loves you so much that he expects more failure out of you than you do. And that doesn't sound like good news, but it is. See, Jesus is talking to people that he loves, and he's telling them there's going to be people that hate you. He's talking to people that he loves, and he knows their sin. And he's saying to them, all things are going to be revealed. So how do Christians receive that? If all things are going to be revealed, why not reveal them? In Christianity, we call that confession. And confession is telling God what he already knows. Why, why concentrate on that particular passage in all of this Matthew chapter 10? Because God needs, needs, God doesn't need anything. God's growing up, raising up an army. He has been since he called the 12. He has been since he sent them out. He has been since he sent Paul around the known world three times. He has been since the church was established. He has been since the scriptures have been canonized. He has been all along. And our training, the way we, we prepare for the battle that is not against other people, but against the principalities and the powers, the rulers and the authorities of the air, the way we prepare is purging. It's telling God what he already knows. It's confessing what we know about ourselves is asking God to reveal to us things we don't even see ourselves. And then after confessing, it's repenting. And to repent just means to turn around, 180 degree turn and walk back where you're coming from. 
Jesus, he just named his disciples, Matthew did, and Jesus sent them out into the, the world run. He said, don't, don't go to Gentiles yet, just, just the Jews, the, the, the lost sheep of Judaism. I want you to, I want you to just go to them. And, but then he tells them what, when, they, when they do go out to everyone else, which is me and you, what's going to happen? He's telling you and I the same thing. All things will be revealed. Yes, in the bureaucrats. Yes, in the body politic worldwide. Yes, the corruption will be, will be shown. Yes, the dirt, the dirt will be cleansed. The, 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 the sin will be purified. Yes, all around. But we, all things will be revealed. And that means me and you. And what does God want to do with us? He wants to change the world. He wants people that are going to hell to instead bend their knee, bend their will to God and end up in eternity with him. That is why he came. And yes, there are people that do not want that news. I had a conversation with someone just a couple of weeks ago or just last week who, who doesn't want to have anything to do with that. Wants all the credit for, for his or her own development and change to be theirs. They don't want to have anything to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't want to have anything to do with, with, with the personal, intimate, loving, immutable, unchanging God. So there are enemies to the faith. But what about those who don't know yet? What about those who do want it? See, Jesus takes a group of ragamuffins and sends them out to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And while he's encouraging his disciples to go do that, he reminds them that people are going to hate us because of him. That should not surprise us. And it shouldn't discourage us. Sometimes it does. But there's this thing that Jesus left behind to remind us whose we are. If not a hair can fall from your head without the will of your Father in heaven, there is nothing that can happen to you that he doesn't allow. And there's nothing that's going to happen to you. No way you're going to be treated that doesn't impact the one who loves you. As it impacts you, it impacts him. I'll remind you of a couple things from the Gospels. What you do to the least of these, you do to me. What we do to others impacts Christ. I'm not saying it changes him. I'm saying he, he receives it to himself. As we give, he receives. And as we don't give, what you have not done to the least of these, you have not done for me. He says it's enough for a student to be like the teacher and the servant like his master. How are we doing? Do we look like him? 
Do we act like him? Do we love him the way he loves us? And do we love others the way Jesus loved the other when he walked the planet? If so, praise God and ask him to continue it in you. If not, you have a great opportunity today to confess and repent and receive. Pastor Chris will say these words in a moment, and he told me I don't need to set it up, but I just want to finish with this. Communion is remembrance. Who was Jesus? Who is Jesus? See, the remembrance phrase there, the term there, isn't just about something that happened in the past. It's reliving it again today. It's about remembering who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and who Jesus will always be. It's about communion. That means to, 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 for us to realize that we are his church. We are the supernatural vehicle that, that God uses to transform lives all throughout the planet. But we get to connect with him as we connect with one another. It's about hope. Let us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So if there's confessing that needs to happen, confess, repent, and receive forgiveness. How he does it, I don't know. But as John Calvin said, I would rather experience it than understand it. As tough as it's going to get, and I don't know how and I don't know when, Maybe in our lifetimes, it may be in the next ones. It may be in the next ones. It may be in the next ones. I don't know. But as tough as it's going to get, God's not surprised. And we should remain faithful. Not compromising the truth, but not compromising love your enemy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that this is still good news. That as you look at the world right now, you're not afraid. What's going to happen with Russia and Ukraine? Is Europe going to be sucked into this whole thing? Is this going to be a third world war? Or is it just a distraction? Or is it somewhere in between? Lord, we don't know. But we know the one who does. We thank you that you see all things. We thank you that all things will be revealed, but they're already re revealed to you. And we pray simply this, Lord, that you give us the courage and the humility to confess what needs to be confessed, to repent of what needs to be repented of, and to receive the grace you offer through the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.